Hey guys, we're the Around the League podcast. We figured out a name, at least for now. I am Ethan, and we're here with uh, Trey and Avery. What's up? Caleb's still not here, so we don't know when he'll be here. But uh, sorry we haven't been around for two weeks. We had some unforeseen circumstances come up. But for this first uh, segment here, we're just going to be talking about the – MLB playoffs, and we're going to get uh, eight games on Wednesday. I think it starts like uh, 12, 1, 2, 3, all the way until the evening. So it'll be mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Um, eight really fun games. Uh, so just going to start top to bottom and kind of talk about who we think will win, who we think will lose. Um, so we got the, the Rays versus the Blue Jays, which obviously the Rays are the heavy favorite mm-hmm. here. Uh, Blue Jays weren't really expecting to be in the playoffs. Uh, it's certainly fun. The baby Jays, uh, they've got a lot of pop. They've got a lot of speed and, uh, they're terrible on the bases. I think they have like, I mean, you watch them play. They have so many plays where they run to second or third and get nailed or try to steal and get caught at first and very bad on the bases, but. I don't think their pitching is going to be able to hold up against uh, the Rays, who are probably the f- most famous team ever for this sort of matchups. And uh, I mean, they have so many guys on their team that excel versus lefties, and they'll throw them out and they'll hit a home run. Like the Rays are just excellent at developing young players and finding matchups um, to where they will be or they'll come out on top. See. Um- this series interests me because it is two AL East teams, so each team knows each other. For they've, sure. They've played, what, four series in the 60 games against each other, three, three or four. I don't know how many it was. But the only thing that is getting me is the Rays are definitely, the, in my opinion, other than the, maybe the Dodgers, the best-built team for the playoffs, I think, pitching-wise. I mean, you're going to have Snell, Glasnow, and Morton. And their bullpen. One, two, three, and their bullpen's insane. And you know it's not going to be good when the Blue Jays are starting Brandon Shoemaker or Matt Shoemaker. I mean, that's that's yeah. not going to – I mean, if they somehow do pull out game one and have Hinge and Rue come, come in game two, I could see an upset. This game, I believe – this series goes three games because I believe the Blue Jays do pull it out. But in the ultimate thing, I see the Rays winning, winning the series and moving on. I agree. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if it went three games. But um, I, I definitely see the Rays pulling this one out too. Okay, so um, Indians and Yankees. I guess I'll start. I have I have the Indians winning this one. Actually, um, the reason why is Shane Bieber's your AL Cy Young. I think if the Yankees played any other team, I believe I'd have the Yankees going. But I believe Bieber's better than Cole in this matchup, and I think Bieber knocks out Cole game one. And people say the Tanaka the postseason is good. I don't, I don't trust Tanaka. I it's mean, a short. It's a very small sample I mean, size. Yeah, Ethan's, say, Ethan's a Yankees fan, and I don't think he trusts Tanaka hundred percent. Everybody period. says so. It's a small sample size, but it's what we got. That doesn't make any sense. So, uh, just Tanaka is an average pitcher who has like a one six or one seven ERA through like five starts in the playoffs. So that's been way too inconsistent for my liking. Yeah. And and if, if you don't if the Yankees pull the Yankees pull game one, it's not even a given yet either. I mean, 
Cole's not going to be able to go again because it's unless he's going to pitch a couple innings game three. But then you're getting Carrasco and then you're getting Zach Plesak. That's two other could be aces on any other team, in my opinion. I mean, it's I don't see the Yankees doing. I could see the Indians winning back to back here, if not. But I do see this game this going three, and I see the Indians winning it. It's it's going to be tight. Uh, the last time they met in the playoffs, um, the Indians were the favorite. Um, I think the betting lines shows the Yankees as the favorite. Uh, but last time it was uh, they were grungy games. There was one game I think it was um, I think there were probably like six hits in the whole game, and the Yankees won one to zero. Um, just the Indians always have this presence of their starting pitching. Now they have a terrible terrible lineup like i think it's uh, 27th or 28th in the league um in a lot of categories um now j ram has been incredible uh jose ramirez he had a bad first half last year and then he's just been uh an mvp caliber player since then uh i mean he's he's great at third uh he can he has so much power he can hit 300. He gets on base. He can steal bases. Terrific player. Lindor hasn't even been good this year. He's been just above average. If Lindor gets hot, uh, he can certainly hit a couple home runs in the playoffs. We've seen it before. Um, but their lineup's been pretty bad this year. So I I think these are all going to be very low-scoring, uh, ugly, nail-biting games and uh, I mean, I could see the Indians winning back-to-back, but I- I'm going to say that this is probably going to be three games um, just because of their electric pitching, but really bad offense versus the Yankees' really good offense and so-so pitching. It's it's, it's going to be interesting. So who you got? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go the Yankees, but I'm not that confident. Like, we started out the season on fire. Everybody got hurt. They sucked. And then they came back and they won like 10 games in a row. And then they've been bad since then. So you got Trey. You're going Indians in three? Not overly confident. I feel like you have to go Yankees then. Just go yeah, I, I, I can't. All right. So next one is Astros and Twins. Twins. <laughs> I have I have Astros here. Reason why is the Twins have never proved to me they can do mm-hmm. anything in the playoffs. Uh, Zach Grinke's going game one. Zach Grinke. Maeda is the Twins' best pitcher. And I think Zach Grinke is going to pull pull a win. I think the Astros – I believe the Astros come out strong in game one. I want to see the Twins win because I don't like the Astros. But then anyone does at this point. And, I mean, game two, you got Berrios going. And then if they do make, go game three, you got Pineda. I mean, Berrios is good. Pineda's good. They're both, they have a really good pitching staff. But Pineda's one of those guys I, that always has talent, always gets hurt. Yeah. And I just don't I don't trust it. I mean, until they prove to me, I'm gonna have to go with the team that's been been on top the last two three years, even though they've been they cheated. I agree, and they they made deep playoff runs in the past few years too. They won a world championship. It's I I like I just I just joke saying the Twins like that just because everybody hates the Astros right now and they want to see them lose. But I'm gonna have to agree with you. I'm gonna have to go with the Astros. I say I say even in two possibly. Yeah, I, I could see two. I mean, I hate the Astros just as much as anybody else, but. I just can't see Springer, Altuve, Kyle Tucker, Brantley, who's been amazing, Bregman, Guriel, Correa, Reddick. I, I, I cannot see them not beating this Twins team. Like, mm-hmm. just I, the Astros, 
I mean, they have like most of their pitching is rookies and they still managed to have an okay year. Uh, sure. They were, they were below 500. Uh, I think they won like 29 games, but um, just, uh, I mean, I think the Astros are going to win this. Uh, I don't have that much faith in the twins. Uh, sadly, sadly, right. I, I say that with a heavy heart. All right, so next we have the seven-seed White Sox and two-seed A's. Here I'm going White Sox because it's the same thing with the Twins here is the A's have never proved they can do anything in the playoffs, in my opinion. Also, the A's didn't even play, like, I think they played, like, one above 500 team this whole season. Like, uh, I mean, in game one, they have Jesus Lazardo pitching for them. I mean, I'm gonna have to go with the White Sox too. I mean, they're they're young. Like I know they're they're a pretty young team. The White Sox are, but I think they're very electric. Like, I mean, you light a spark under that team, and they're just gonna keep going and going. I think they're gonna get the momentum early on in Game One, and I think they're gonna carry that throughout the series. Another reason too is if the A's do win Game One, they have Keuchel for the White Sox coming in Game Two, and Keuchel is arguably is really good postseason pitcher in my opinion, mm-hmm. and I believe he would. If needed to win a game, I believe Keiko wins a big game for you going into game three, possibly. And, and I don't really think this is a fair matchup either. I mean, a week ago, the White Sox were the one seed and A's were two seed, if I'm remembering correctly, or vice versa, one of the two. And now they're playing first round in the wild card series. So and I'm going to go White Sox here. I, I have to go White Sox too. Um, I mean, these A's, uh, Olsen hasn't been playing very good. Ramon Laureano has been pretty bad. Uh, they don't have Matt Chapman, probably their best player. Uh, I mean, they've got Jake Lamb at third base right now, and he had a couple of good games for them, but just these are not your full-strength A's. Uh, I don't really have that much faith in the White Sox rotation, longevity in the postseason. But um, like you guys said, they're young, they're fun, they've got a good offense. Um, they they could easily take two games here. So all green White Sox. All right, so we're moving to the NL, and this is a 1A matchup that – I don't think anybody's looking forward to. Maybe they are. The Dodgers or Brewers. Uh, I want to see the Brewers win. The Brewers are two games under 500. It's not going to happen. I believe Dodgers get this in two games with ease. I think so, too. Yeah. Well, Kershaw's going game two, isn't he? Kershaw's yeah, going yes. game two. So I think, I think it's possible they extend it to three just because we've seen Kershaw struggle in the postseason. But yeah. that is a stretch. I mean, I'm, I would be extremely shocked if the Dodgers don't win this series. I could see it in two, but I wouldn't be shocked in three. Yeah. Right. Got the, there are some arguments for the Brewers. Um, they aren't, there aren't that many, but um, Brandon Woodruff shoved against the Dodgers. I don't remember who was last year, the year before. Um, also, um, Christian Yelts is going to start hitting baseballs at some point. And if he just decides to do it this season, the Dodgers are going to have a problem, and if they lose Game One, and then you've got the Kershaw thing, it's it's going to be interesting. The thing with the Dodgers too is this is a they have, in my opinion, they have to win it all this season, or it's an L. Till till the Dodgers win a World Series, it's the next couple of years they have to win a World Series. I mean, they've blown two of the last. They should have made the World Series last year. They got upset in the divisional round by the Nationals. They've lost at the last three series seasons that the Dodgers have lost to the world champions. So, I mean, they got to get it. Like, 
They have to. The uh, the Brewers, if if uh, if Woodruff or a couple of their guys can give them a good start, you have Devin Williams, who has like a .3 ERA and like almost 60 strikeouts as a reliever. He's been ridiculous, almost an 18 Ks per nine. And you've also got Josh Hader right there. So as your um, eight nine guys, well, that's, um, that's the problem. Can, though. They got to get to the eight. They've got they got to get there. But if everything goes right for this Brewers team. And they they beat the Dodgers in game one, and then they're going up against Kershaw. I mean, I – Yeah, that, that, that brings it up the thing again where I don't like the three-game series thing. Like, I just don't like it. I mean, you're taking – you're putting teams, like, that don't deserve to be in here, and you're giving them a – in my opinion, I don't believe the Marlins are – I don't believe the Brewers are – there's no team under 500 that deserve to possibly knock out a team at 43 and 17. I and I mean, if the Dodgers have two bad games out of three, they're out. But I mean, the problem, problem at any point here is if one of these teams upsets in the first game, the second game, nobody can predict a baseball game. Anybody can win at any given time. Yeah. So if you it's, if you have a good starting pitcher and, and you're a below 500 team and you get a good start game one, it's anything could happen. I think a big example of that too is the Nationals last year. Nationals they just get hot at the right time. I mean, they started what nineteen and thirty-one, and they mm-hmm. end up they got hot at the right time. They won the World Series. I mean, anyone can win it at any given time, just like Ethan said. So it's just so unpredictable, yeah. and that kind of piggybacks off what Avery said. Like, I don't like this expanded playoff because it's like you have teams that can be below five hundred in the regular season. Well, then they get hot at the right time. All of a sudden, they're making big runs, knocking off the Dodgers and stuff. Yeah, which would be awesome. It well, would, it would be awesome. awesome. <laughs> it would be awesome. None of us like but them. realistically, I mean, I don't think any of us here like the Dodgers. I, I hate them. Probably my, probably hate them the most out of any baseball team. But other than the Astros, yeah, other than the Astros. All right. So next series, this is one I'm looking forward to. I don't think this one's going to get a lot of views because nobody's really interested in this one because it's just kind of too. I don't know. The four Padres, five Cardinals. I have. I don't know. I mean, I have the Padres winning this, and I have those back, like the series everybody wants to see in Dodgers and Padres second round. But I think the Padres' young pitching staff gets them through. The, all the hype win two games. I believe they get through. I don't think the I think the Cardinals just kind of. I think the Cardinals are wore out too. Like, I mean, how many games they they played in the last. 35 days. Mm-hmm. It's more than 35. That's what I can tell you. <laughs> so I'm going to put the Padres. I don't really got much to say about this one. I mean, the I actually think this could get a lot of views just because the Padres went from having a very limited fan uh, fans, at least online, and they just blew up and everybody's a Padres fan. And I mean, there, there are many people who like, they have a number one team and they have their number two team and it's the San Diego Padres and everybody loves Tatis and everything they're doing down there. Um, and just the, um, I think that they should win this, but Kim has had a good year for the, um, cards. Uh, and then Wainwright, uh, he's he's had a great year. Uh, Kim has Wainwright has just been ridiculous this year. And then you have Jack Flaherty. So Flaherty's been, hasn't been in the Padres traded for Mike Clevenger so that he would be in the playoffs. He's out, though, isn't he? And he's out. So they still have Nelson Lomet and a couple other other really good pitchers, but just the fact that they wanted to have this lockdown, awesome pitcher, start game one, um, and they they don't have that now. So, um, and 
uh, their whole team has been slumping recently. So, so you're getting Cardinals? I'm going Cards in three. I need, I think the Cardinals are gonna win. I think they're gonna win. I'm gonna stick I'm gonna stick with Padres in three. And then I guess that'll lead us to the series everyone's been amazed of the Cubs and Marlins. <laughs> like I don't props to the Marlins. I can't say anything. I mean props to them. I mean they they battled it out. They battled it out and snuck in a six seed is very surprising. I did not think they would finish second at least. That is the last thing I thought in the world. And a lot of people, I've been seeing the brackets come out for MLB Network people, and surprisingly more than half of them, I mean, uh, Mad Dog came out with his today, and you had the Marlins making it second round. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't believe anything that Mad Dog says because he's I mean, it's a little crazy up I mean, upstairs. I think the Marlins, out of any of these NL teams, I believe the Cubs are the team you want to play. They've, they've got an interesting thing going for them. Uh, they put a lot of balls in play. They have a – I mean, they've – they strike out a good amount. They you can definitely strike them out on pitches outside of the strike zone. They have a very bad chase rate. They're uh, very young. Too. They're very young. They have great young starting pitching. Uh, the Phillies uh, traded Alcatara for um, JT Realmuto for two years, and they haven't made the playoffs. So the Phillies are probably kicking themselves right now. Um, Pablo Lopez have been pretty good. Pablo Lopez, love yeah. him. I mean, I just look, the Marlins and Cubs have not. I mean, series starts Wednesday for them. There's games tomorrow for the AL side. I know it doesn't start till uh, Wednesday. They, neither team has announced their pitchers. I believe they're the only only two teams that have not announced their pitcher. I believe maybe a couple other teams. But. And the, the, the Cubs, they do have uh, Yu Darvish, who's been terrific this year, this year. Uh, since the second half to this year. Uh, he's been one of the better pitchers in the NL. And then they've got Kyle Hendricks, which is he's just fun to watch uh, get big leaguers out with an 88 mile an hour fastball. But just um, the if you ask Cubs fan, they are have no confidence because they started out 13 and three and they've been below 500 for the rest of the year. So a lot of their stars are not doing so hot. Um, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant not having good seasons, and and obviously if, if we played a full uh, season and these guys had 150 games under their belt. I don't think I would say, oh, Chris Bryant has an OPS under 600 or 550 or whatever it is. It's it's not good, but um, just I mean, I think everybody wants to see the Marlins win this. I want to see the Marlins win this. And I mean, they could win it. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised, but I think this game goes three, you know, like a must-watch game three, and I think the Cubs pull it out. I'm taking Cubs in three, too. I think I don't think it makes it out there, but I want to see it, but Cubs are the better team, but Cubs I, are the better team. I think that um, I think the Marlins are going to upset. All right, so let's go to the one that we're all scared for: the Reds and Braves. I think, as weird as it is to say, I think Game One is a must-win for the Braves. We're we're going to be putting out Max Fried against Trevor Bauer in Game One, which is kind of scary for the Braves. I think because after that, it's going to be Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright, two rookies. Granted, Anderson's had a great year for a rookie. Wright has come on as of late. But, I mean, two rookie starters in the postseason against um, it's Castillo, Castillo in Game 2 Gray. and Sonny Gray in Game mm-hmm. 3. Or so, yeah, Sonny Gray, yeah. That, that's going to be a tough matchup. Now, granted, the Braves' bats, of course, they have one of the better offenses in the league, but they do leave a lot of runners on. And Ethan was saying earlier that they're – yeah, just did a dead last in situational outs, like moving runners over. and So it's a bigger go-home mm-hmm. lineup, and it's worked so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are three really good pitchers. 
They're going to have to be on their game, the and Braves are. Here's all I'm going to say is I think it's must-win game one. The only reason it couldn't be is the poll came out today. On, I read an article on MLB on MLB.com or whatever. It was ranking like the offensive, defense, and pitching. The Braves were out of the 16 teams, 15th in pitching, but number one in the offensive over the Dodgers, which, I mean, you're thinking about it, they have one of the best offenses. That's the scariest lineup to go against, in my opinion. One through nine can it's, just hit you whenever, like a like a storm. Four, and Freddie Freeman, five. the likely NL MVP. Yeah, the first five hitters. Yeah, and if those first five hitters get high, I mean, they can they can put six, seven. Ozuna, Darno. I don't know how many times. This, this 60 games, I don't know how many times they've had, like, seven, eight run innings. It's got to be in the – Five to tens. Like so you guys still regret getting rid of uh, Josh Donaldson? No, not really. <laughs> yeah, because we got Ozuna to fill that yeah. power bat spot. I mean, honestly, like I saw a little like meme on the internet the other day, and someone was saying like the Braves just put a blank check in front of Ozuna and say, "What do you want? Give it to him." I mean, after the year he's had. I mean, me and Troy being Braves fans, I mean, this is the one team that was those out of those four teams: the Phillies, Brewers. Giants and Reds, those four teams, I think this is arguably probably the one team we didn't want to face because mm-hmm. of that pitching staff. I mean, if this was a five-game series, I would have been a little more comfortable because of our offense yeah. would have got used to it. But you would have seen Bauer twice. You're not only seeing Bauer here once, most likely. But, again, free is our only – is the only pitcher I trust. I mean, even still, like, he's not totally proven in the playoffs. Exactly, yet. yeah. I mean, if the Braves have Soroka – I would feel so much better. I'd argue they're winning the World or Series. Or Hamels, if Hamels was still healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine that rotation in a three-game series, yeah. Soroka, Freed, and Hamels, a healthy Hamels. Yeah. And I mean, Hamels with his post – I mean, he was the World Series MVP, wasn't he? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and then, yeah, and World Series. I think he's like the only pitcher ever to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, that's what the Braves are definitely – I mean, they could make a run. Their offense could help them make a run. Offense, offense does it, but um, – I mean, they're definitely a team next year if they're they have Soroka healthy, they have Freed healthy, they get Anderson still healthy, and then if Wright can turn on, that can be pretty scary with that lineup. And mm-hmm. I, I see good things for the Braves. I don't think I'm gonna have to pick the Reds here. I don't want to. I picked the Reds in three. But as much as I hate to say it, I'm agreeing with you. I want the Braves to win. Of course, like Avery said, we're both Braves fans. And it absolutely kills me to do this. I've never seen them win a playoff series. I don't think they've won a playoff series since 2001. Yeah. And so I, I, especially with this pitching staff, I don't see them getting it done. Now, granted, we do have an awesome bullpen. Our bullpen has really stepped it up this year. And we do have the offense to support it. But going up against Bauer, Castillo, and Gray, I mean, those are three very tough pitchers. And we're going to have to be – like the Braves' offense is going to have to be clicking on all cylinders for all three games if we're going to want to win this series. Let's put it in perspective. I'm 19. My birthday is in August. The Braves haven't won a uh, postseason series since October of 2001, mm-hmm. and I'm 19. So I was two months old the last time the Braves won a postseason I series. I just turned a year. And so, like, yeah, it's – they so what this. I'll, I'll say. This. The Reds do not have good offense. Uh, they're sandwiched between the Mariners and the Tigers right now. Uh, like, like 23, 24, uh, not very good. Um, obviously, they're going to have three really good starting pitching. Their bullpen isn't anything crazy. Um, the Braves have a great bullpen, definitely overperformed. They're, those guys, there's so many guys that have like a one and two ERA. That, but they have so many guys that they can use it at any time. And 
if even if you lose the free game, which would, which would be terrifying because then you, you're relying on rookies uh, for the for the next game or the next two games. But if if I don't know what Snicker can do, um, I, I don't know how. You know, don't think he's a very big analytical mind. But if they can do a couple of little things, like um, maybe right the plan is for him to go two innings or three innings, and then just hand it off to the bullpen, like. It's here in the playoffs. Like you don't want to watch, uh, even even uh, what's his name, the second pitcher, it's gonna be Anderson. 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 Even him, you you should be afraid to let him pitch to the third time through the lineup. Yeah. They should, if if he's like if it's if it's four innings and he's or like it's four plus innings and he's got a runner on base and it's third time through the order. There there's like just hand it off to the bullpen. Just um, you don't have to do do the traditional, like a pitcher's only dealing until he's not. So just just hand the ball off to the bullpen, um, and they should be fine. Uh, these Reds bats they are hot. They are entering entering at like seven and three in their last ten. I'm pretty sure, but the Braves can pull this one out. Um, but it'll it'll be a fun series. Uh, yeah, you got people watch. Yeah, like Josh Tomlin, I could see that. I mean, people are here. way too high in the Reds. Yeah, you win, yeah. I mean, their pitching side—they just have that little scare in their pitching side. But I mean, you win game, you win game one. You go in there, you put Anderson for four, five, one, two runs. You're happy. You're off. I mean, that's the thing with the Braves. I mean, they can put up five, six runs every day. I mean, they're often so good. And you put Tomlin in for two, three innings, and then you guys—you got Minter. You got, oh my God. Um, you got Green. I mean, their their bullpen's good. I mean, Smith, it's going to be it's going to be scary. But for for everybody in in this situation, uh, especially the the teams that aren't division winners, uh, three games is so much better than a one game wild card. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. So just this is going to be a fun series. This is. Gonna be fun I mean, not just being a Braves fan. I think this will be the most fun series to watch because this is legitimately pitching versus offense. This is 100 percent what this is. Yeah, it's the same. It's very similar to the uh, Indians, Yankees one as well. Yeah. Um, but it should be interesting. Um, but we'll see how our predictions turn out. All right, uh, I think we're going to go on to the next segment. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move on to the NFL now. Um, we're just going to kind of go through each division, just kind of recap it real quick, just give us a surprise, um, a disappointment, something like that. So I guess we'll start with the AFC North. Um, of course, the week not over for the AFC North with the Ravens playing against the Chiefs tonight. We'll cover that. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But um, the Steelers undefeated at 3-0, and currently leading the division. We'll see how the Ravens do tonight. Um, the Browns finally with a winning record. They're sitting at 2-1. and um, I definitely – I like this, that the Steelers have gotten off to this start. I definitely thought the Steelers would improve from last year. So I'm, de- I'm definitely glad to see the Steelers at 3-0. and um, the Browns, Browns have turned it up a good bit too. And the Bengals, I wish the, I thought the Bengals could have won a game by now. They had a few opportunities. I mean, Joe Burrow has played very good to be honest within his first three games. Um, that first game, they should have at least had a chance, but that missed field goal cost him the game, but, um, definitely, definitely good to see the Steelers at three and zero and playing at a high level again. He's given a uh, Cincy hope. Now the, the Ravens are still winning this division, but um, it, it's nice for me as a Steelers fan to go from uh, watching the league's worst quarterback play and terrible running back play, and have a terrific defense to have 
good running backs and an average quarterback. And it's just, it's, it's, it's nice to, to watch someone who can throw the ball seven, eight yards down the field. Uh, yeah. This, this is a fun division, right? I mean, I can see, I could see the Browns getting, I could see the Steelers. I, I think all three of these teams, I think those three teams in top right now get in. I think the Bengals, I mean, they've just had some bad luck. I mean, they tied yesterday. They should have won week one. I mean, I think they should be one one right now, but mm-hmm. that goes for a lot. Not far right now. And I don't know if Cincy fans are expecting like anything crazy this year, but yeah. just what Burrow has showed is that he can be their franchise quarterback and they can yeah. build off of him. They the players uh, love him too. They voted him captain. I mean, he's a great leader. Like if I if I'm a Bengals fan and the Bengals win seven games this year, I'm happy. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. So, but yeah, fun division. So to the south, um, the Titans lead it currently. They are three and zero. Um, and then you just go down the list. The Colts are two and one. The Jaguars are one and two. The Texans are zero and three. Um, the Titans, I'm really not surprised they're three and zero. Honestly, um, I mean they had a pretty close call yesterday they against almost, the Vikings. Blew a twenty-eight three lead like the Falcons. Super Bowl. <laughs> I was the Bills. Oh, wait, that was the Bills. Yeah, yeah but the, the Titans were down to the Vikings by a couple scores yesterday. They came back and won it. Um, their offenses looked very good, actually. Ryan Tannehill's having a pretty good year. He's doing Henry, it again. Yeah. I mean, I remember our first podcast. We bought into the Titans hype. We we picked them to win the division, and so far they're not disappointing. Yeah. Um, the Texans, I mean, we, we kind of saw a drop-off. I don't know about 0-3. I don't know. But – I'm not worried about the Texans. Deshaun Watson deserves better, man. I mean, he they have no team around him at all. I mean, I'm not worried about the Texans. I mean, look what they play. I mean, you got Chiefs, Chiefs and Ravens, arguably the two best teams in the AFC. Steelers, another great team. I mean, I I, I mean, if I'm looking at the schedule now, there's no reason they don't I mean they could win out, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They have the third, I heard they have the third easiest schedule the rest of the way. So I mean, I'm not I'm not scared about that. I think that I think the Texans still won this division down at 0-3 right now. I, I, I'm still sticking with the Titans to win it. I, I think the Titans have a very complete team. Yeah, I think I think I did say Titans. I'm, but I think the Texans make the playoffs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that. I think Texans make the playoffs. Yeah, they've had a similar start to what the Colts did, mm-hmm. uh, what, like two years ago? And then yeah. They went, out, went mm-hmm. 10 and 6. Yeah, I'm glad to see the Colts doing 2 and 1. Well, I mean, they beat the Jets, though, in their last game yesterday. They beat the Vikings before that. I mean, I – I'm not impressed yet. I'm not buying yeah. into them yet. They've got a good matchup coming up next Sunday against the undefeated Bears, so we'll see how they do there. We'll get to the Bears yeah. a little bit later, though. Bears interesting conversation. We'll get there. To the AFC East, um, this is an interesting division, too, kind of going the way we expected it to. The Bills are currently 3-0. and The Patriots right behind them at 2-1. and Dolphins sitting at 1-2, and and the Jets, of course, at 0-3. Um, I think we all were kind of going back and forth between the Bills and the Patriots. I gave the edge to the Patriots. Of course, it's early, but Cam Newton has looked phenomenal. Um, I mean, how the heck did we let? Like how? Uh, how did we? How did we give the Patriots Cam Newton? And he's healthy. You can tell he's healthy because he's running yeah, the ball. He's playing at a he's being a very threat. high level. Uh, he's. And that one loss is a shootout loss to the Seahawks, too, who, of course, we'll get to later. But the Seahawks have been red hot. I mean, so, And they almost won that game. And Cam Newton did yeah. everything that he could. He was the perfect quarterback in that game. Yeah. It's I mean, that last play call. Yeah. yeah. The Bills – I mean, the Bills are 3-0, but, I mean, they haven't proven anything to me. I mean, Josh Allen's been I tearing mean, it up. Josh, Josh, Allen. Josh Allen's been turning it up. But, I mean, look who they've played. They've played the Jets. 
beat them by 10. They beat the Dolphins by three. I will admit that win, against, three. that win against the Rams, I mean, no I, I know they blew the 28-3 lead. They still won, but that is a little concerning. But, I mean, the Rams were one of the better teams so far this year. I mean, they've been pretty hot too. Yep. And so, I mean, I think that's a big win for I, Buffalo. I, I, I'm, I've been impressed with Josh Allen more than anything. I mean, it'll be interesting because I'm looking at their schedule right now. Their next three games are against the Raiders, the Titans, and the Chiefs. I mean, Titans that's and Chiefs a, are both undefeated. That's a tough stretch. And the Raiders have been the most Raiders surprising, the most surprising team to me this year. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm still, I'm still thinking New England. I mean, mm-hmm. New England just looks good after the way they played the Raiders. After the Raiders started two zero, I mean, they like whooped up on the Raiders this week. Oh yeah, this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Cam so. had another big game. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the Raiders, we'll now shift to the West. The Chiefs on top, two and zero. Of course, they played a night against Baltimore. We'll discuss that. When we wrap up this segment for the NFL, Raiders sitting at two and one, like Avery said, one of the most surprising teams, if not the most in the league right now. Chargers sitting at one and two, interesting quarterback situation with them as Justin Herbert's taken over and he's looked pretty good. And Denver, I'm kind of going to have to eat my own words on this one. I said Denver was going to have a pretty good year. Granted, they have had an abundance of injuries, which definitely hurt them. I think abundance is too small a word. They've lost like yeah. one person at every position over. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i not too upset about my prediction there just because these injuries, I mean, it's kind of hard to see this coming, and it's it, you, you can't really predict injuries. It's so hit and miss with so many players. You just never really know. But the Broncos at 0-3, definitely a disappointment. Um, we thought they were going to have a good, explosive year with that brand-new you know, young offense building around Drew Locke, guys like Judy, Sutton, Fant, Gordon, Lindsey. I mean – Lindsey's out too now, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon's getting the bulk now, which I mean that's not a bad option at all. But I mean it's nice having that one-two punch. But I mean I, I don't think anybody's surprised the Chiefs are on top right now. I mean that's no surprise at all. We'll see if they stay undefeated against Jackson and the Ravens tonight. But Let's move on to the NFC. All right, we'll go to the NFC North. That is the Packers and Bears tied at the top. The Bears are a very surprising team at three and zero. Um, the Lions at one and two, and the Vikings kind of up and down. I always said they're kind of ebby and flowy. They're zero and three right now. Um, they they lost to the Packers week one, Colts week two, and the Titans week three. I mean, the Packers and the Titans are two pretty good teams. They almost beat Tennessee too. And Aaron Rodgers has easily been the best quarterback in the league yeah, so I, far. Uh, I say second, Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Russell I think, Wilson. I think the Packers are going to run away with this division. I think so too. It'll be interesting to see how the Bears do, though. They're switching quarterbacks now. Nick Foles. I don't, I don't, like, I don't like the Bears. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rodgers had enough. He's, he's yeah. Like, all right. They drafted you, Jordan you, Love. You he was like, "Watch this." The Bears. People were like, "Rodgers is washed." Mm-hmm. I've heard that conversation many times. Yeah, the Bears have won their last three games by four points. Each game by four points. I mean, the Lions by four, the Giants by four. We'll talk about the Falcons and later. Then, and then the Falcons. <laughs> we don't want to discuss that. We're I, Falcons fans. I said Falcons fans do not want to talk about that game. I don't have faith in the Bears. Um, I don't either. Well, it's or at least to win the division. Certainly, uh, I think starting Nick Foles is a mistake. Uh, he got really lucky. Um, there was multiple passes that should have been picked off by the um, team that we shout name. Um, he shouldn't have gone off versus the Falcons. Um, and to be honest, Mitchell Trubisky has been pretty decent this year um there's not there's not that much that you can complain i mean he was really bad last year 
So now you're just gonna bank on on Nick Foles, who played like what, like a quarter and a half mm-hmm. of system quarterback. Too. He hasn't football. done. He hasn't done really good anywhere. I, I don't. I don't understand that decision. Like, I, I mean, you were just plunging Trubisky's confidence mm-hmm. in the toilet. Nope. I agree. I, I don't. I don't get it. Like, it'll be interesting to see how they do now. I mean, like I said, off to a three and zero start. We'll see if they maintain that. But uh, we'll shift to the NFC South now. Buccaneers currently on top at two and one. Uh, the Saints and the Panthers tied at one and two, and then of course the Falcons at zero and three. <sighs> um, the Buccaneers, I want to start with them just by pointing out um, a lot of people after Week One, the offense didn't really do too well. People were saying, you know, this whole Tom Brady led offense is a fluke. I mean, they're not. I say y'all got to cut Tom Brady some slack. I mean, he's been in New England for twenty years. He's going to a brand new system with brand new receivers brand-new coaching staff for the first time in his career. He's not just going to jump in and be perfect. I mean, he's not just going to jump in and look like the Brady of old. But they're starting to come into their own. He's got some good weapons. Um, no, I, I will say on, a, like, a points-per-play uh, and uh, QBR aspect, um, Brady and Winston were almost identical last year. Uh, I think Winston actually led in, in points-per-play. Um, but just, I think – the Buccaneers were just fed up with all the turnovers that Winston put up. Mm-hmm. And also Brady obviously didn't have the great greatest cast uh, or crew to throw to last year, although Cam Newton is is uh, doing quite well with them. He's got his legs, though. Yeah, Cam he's, he's got his legs. That's a good point. But um, just I, I think the Bucs just really wanted a quarterback that isn't going to throw three picks a game. Um, so I, I – I mean, I'm not – I don't think Brady is this amazing quarterback anymore, but he's certainly good. He's certainly the GOAT, uh, and he's certainly got a, plenty of targets. And uh, this, this Bucks offense is starting to, to heat up. One of the better defenses in the league. Oh, too. yeah, and they're, they're, they're doing good on defense ever since, like, week 10 of last year, I think. And I, Mike Evans, this isn't that impressive, but it's kind of funny. I saw he was, like, the second NFL player ever to have two receptions for two yards with two touchdowns. Yeah. That was coming. I mean, this it's, they're scary. I mean, I was watching their game like yesterday. I mean, their defense looks scary. And yeah, if Brady is on a team that has a good defense and his offensive weapons, he's gonna win the Super Bowl. I mean, hey, an, an underrated weapon on that offense too is Scotty Miller. Not many people are talking about him. Mm-hmm. That kid can play. Yeah, watch yeah, out. Brady, Brady likes him. Um, although he hasn't been getting as many targets as I thought he would, because Brady has been praising him. Mm-hmm. But um, reminds maybe, me of Edelman. Younger Edelman. That's a good point. Um, but maybe he'll start working it in. He's obviously just trying to figure out who's going to be his favorite target. Uh, and I, I do think it's funny that um, everybody was really hyped about Gronkowski, and then Bruce Arians was like, "Oh no, we just wanted him to be a blocking tight end," which I mm-hmm. don't think Gronk knew. Mm-hmm. I he had, he had uh, points fantasy. He had five, six catches. Yeah, well, people people drafted Gronk as like. Uh, legit, like mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey. Some, um, well, I, I would hope no one took take him above Travis Kelsey, but oh, just um, people expected him to just oh, you're gonna be you're gonna be the normal Gronk that you you were two three years ago. Um, so, but I mean, a team in the NFC South I want to bring up too is the Saints. A lot of people are hitting the panic button. They're saying Drew Brees is washed, all all this and that. I completely disagree. I mean, I know I know he's not going to play to his typical level. At 41 years old, it's going to be tough. 
But I do want to take a look at who they've played. They lost to the Packers last night by seven. They lost to the Raiders, who we mentioned earlier, have been tearing it up so far this year. That was like their one bad, like, are you mm-hmm. kidding game. Like, I, yeah. I thought the other games were at least very competitive. They played good against the Buccaneers. Mm. I mean, and granted, that was the Buccaneers' first game together. They're not just going to click just like that. But, I mean, the Saints look pretty good. And, I mean, against the Packers, Drew Brees had a pretty good game, too. Do we uh, do we know when Michael Thomas is coming back? Uh, next week. Next week. So here's the thing about Drew. I don't think that he can be washed if he has um, Michael Thomas and uh, like uh, he's just he's he definitely checks the ball off a lot and he has so many guys that can catch the ball and give him. Uh, yard, yeah, Kamara. Yeah, if he has Kamara and Thomas on the field, I don't think you can consider him washed because he might not take as many deep shots as he used to. But those two guys in space can break for big yardage. And oh, yeah. I mean, if if the offense is is Thomas and Kamara and just try to get yards after catch and run the ball. I don't think he can be washed. I think he has already regressed. I don't think that he is Drew Brees, uh, you know, 2015 and earlier. Right. And I think it was very smart, and I definitely think that they knew what they were doing. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a fun finish. Thing. For sure. So we'll go to the East now. Weird division. We got Washington and Dallas tied at the top at 1-2. and two. We have the Eagles in third at 0-2-1. At then the Giants are 0 and 3. I feel like the Giants, I mean, nobody's really surprised by that. But the Cowboys, I don't think it's time for them to hit the panic button yet. Um, I mean, they lost to the Rams by three. They lost to the Seahawks by seven. They did have that comeback win against the Falcons, which of course sucks. Yeah, but we're not even talking I mean that the teams that they've lost to, they've played really good teams and they didn't lose by much. So I I don't think it's time for everybody to start talking down about the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. I don't think so yet. I just think they've had a very tough opening to their season, and they play the Browns next week. I mean, that's not going to get much easier, but um, after that, they play the Giants. That should be better. They play the Cardinals after that. That'll be tough, and then they play Washington, Philadelphia. I mean, the Cowboys have a tough schedule. I, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button on them just yet. Yeah. I think they'll be all, they'll I'm be all right. I mean, I'm sticking with the Eagles. I mean, I think the Eagles will get in there. 0-2-1. and Wentz has not looked good. Wentz has looked the, quite bad. I mean, what what is this division? Why is this division always like – I swear this division yes. every year. Mm-hmm. It's like eight, everybody eight, underperforms. An 8-8 eight and eight team always makes it well. Yeah. And it, it's uh, – It's ridiculous. And I've seen a lot of people online, the, the Philadelphia play calling is has not been great this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sure that's not helping Carson Wentz out, but – uh, it, he has regressed, which is weird, but it's also only been three games, so he can turn it around. And remember, this guy was on pace for like 4,500 yards and 40-some touchdowns a couple years ago. Like this guy, uh, in the, the, receiving, the receivers on the Eagles aren't exactly – They drafted Jalen Rager too. He's already out for a while. Yeah, they, it's not the best situation right now, but – I mean, you got to hope that Carson Wentz can turn around because what he's been playing as right now is bad. Mm-hmm. I think the narrative coming into this season, too, was he's ultra-talented. It's just you can't keep him on the field. Well, now he's on the field. He's not playing that well. I mean, if Dwayne Haskins has more wins than you, you have a problem. 
So. Well, this is the NFC West looks like a fun division. Oh yeah, we got the Seahawks on top at three and zero, and the Cardinals, Rams, and 49ers all tied at two and one. The 49ers, by the way, absolutely ravaged by injuries right now. Granted, they did play the Jets and the Giants their past two games. Still managed to get wins, 31 to 13 against the Jets, and they beat the Giants 36 to 9. Even though they're injury ravaged, I mean that's still impressive. I know it's the Giants, I know it's the Jets, but I mean they're still beating NFL teams with their backups, and they play the struggling Eagles this coming week too. So we'll see how they look against them. I mean, I mean I'm I'm impressed by the team. I mean we were saying how me and Trey were saying how the, we think the Cardinals should pull a crazy upset win the division. I'm. Kyler Murray looks good. I know he, Kyler Murray's so fun. I, yeah. I mean, I know he lost last week, started 2-0, and um, Wait, I mean, it's like a he, very close loss. Every, there's always a quarterback Lawrence. that's the next big thing every year. Mm-hmm. People have said that it's going to be Kyler. So far, it's been Josh Allen, but he has had an easier schedule. Yeah. Um, but you got to root for Kyler Murray. Um, and Seattle has just been awesome. Um, Russ is the MVP favorite right now. Russ to lock it connection and DK Metcalf. Yeah. It's been and then Jamal Adams is Jamal that? Adams has been huge. Just uh, this this for a this, struggling defense, Jamal Adams has been yeah. massive. I think uh, us talking about this last time, I think we were saying how oh, this is even the most fun division. I think it worked we our prediction is right right now. Yeah, for sure. In, and the Rams too. I mean the Rams are quietly having a pretty good year too. I mean a lot of people are kind of counting them out coming into this season. Tough loss yesterday by three to the Bills. We're now three and zero. I'm not sure if they know how to manage running backs, uh, because like last year, everybody on fantasy they said um, Henderson was going to be the number one guy. Mm-hmm. This year, they said it was going to be Acres. Now I think Acres is dealing with something right now. Yes, but um, they have. I would say that they have good running backs, but it's it's just it's very inconsistent play. As to who that who's going to get the most carries, mm-hmm. um, and we got to remember that just like just two years ago, we we were saying that uh, McVeigh is the next big thing. This mm-hmm. is the next Belichick. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if Jared Goff, who's not terrific, but if he can have a, another good year like he did two years ago, this is a team that it can be scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I, I think this is one of those teams that has to have too many wheels clicking um, at, uh, for them to be too good. I guess I agree. run into uh, some college football right now. So. Wait to me. Yeah. All right. Um, so for college football, I guess we'll just see what Trey wants to say. <laughs> All right. So – Big weekend in college football. We had a lot of big storylines. Of course, the biggest would be the SEC starting up uh, this past weekend. Um, Definitely some big storylines from the SEC as well. But I do want to start with the biggest upset of the week, which was the number three ranked Oklahoma Sooners falling to Kansas State. This is actually the second year in a row that Kansas State has beaten Oklahoma last year. They did it at home. This time they went into Oklahoma and beat them on the road. So a massive, massive upset. Oklahoma actually dropped all the way down to 18 in the rankings. Um, this is what, what makes it crazy to me is, I mean, look who Kansas State lost to last week. They lost to Arkansas State. Yeah. Are, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then you go and beat number three Oklahoma. I mean, I, it's kind of weird. It's like Clemson for the that that little stretch there. They struggle with Syracuse. It's like oh, these big always, teams just yeah. have this one bias, like Oklahoma and mm-hmm. Kansas State. I mean, like we said, last year they lost to them. It's like 
It's crazy, you know. I mean, and then another big upset, number six, LSU. Falling to Mississippi State. Mike Leach and that Mississippi State offense is scary. K.J. Costello had a massive game. I think some of this is uh, a lot of these teams didn't have consistent practices, and a lot of them had um, more practice than other teams. That is part of it, yeah. I'm not sure how much of of a factor this is. But some teams came back earlier. Some peak teams um, piled on more well, work earlier. A lot of them are doing conference-only schedules, though. Right. All the conferences are on the same right. schedule. Yeah. So the thing with LSU is, um, I mean, I, I I feel bad for the Brennan kid, the quarterback. Brennan, yeah. I mean, you got to think you're having to fill Joe Burrow's shoes, and you lost I mean, like all your offensive weapons. All too. your offensive weapons. Yeah. And I've only been hearing absolute crap about like, oh, this kid's not be good. I mean, just it's people, not his fault. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not his fault. It's I mean, a whole new team. Yeah, like you lost twenty starters. Yeah, you can't expect this team to go far. I mean, LSU. I could see not even being ranked in there. I, I was surprised that they ranked them so high. I guess I feel like you have to come back. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. But in, in reality, who's the best Louisiana team? I mean, last I checked, <laughs> you got Louisiana. That's yeah. a Louisiana team at three and zero, sitting in the twenty seed. Maybe higher now because they won again. I do want to point out though. I mean, a lot of everybody in that game, they're talking about the downfall of LSU, but look out for Mississippi State. Mike Leach is a problem. Like, you think about what he did just at Washington State, which is where he was before. Gardner Minshew was supposed to be an intern at Alabama under Nick Saban. He was supposed to go coach. Mike Leach turns him into an NFL quarterback. I mean, this guy knows what he's doing. And KJ Costello also broke the SEC record for the most passing yards in a single game. I mean, he had what, like 653, something like that? I mean, Mike Leach knows how to run an offense, especially an air raid offense. Mississippi State is going to make some noise. I don't think they're going to be there just yet, but they're heading in the right direction. I think Mike Leach was a massive underrated hire for them. Uh, Three games that I was watching at SEC that I was kind of disappointed in these teams. Uh, I was disappointed at Texas A&M at 10, only beating Vanderbilt by five. Adams overrated, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama only beating uh, Missouri by 19. I mean, that might not be – Crazy to some people, but to me, that should be a blowout. Mm-hmm. And Georgia, I mean, they ended up going – they went off there at the end of the game, only winning by 27 One still. Stetson came in. But, yeah, one, I mean – When you saw that. I mean, Trey knows. I mean, who what's, – what's the first quarterback's Matthews. name? Um, DeJuan Mathis. I mean, yeah. I mean, he came I, in there. He just looked like – I mean, I'm watching the game. I'm just like, this kid looks awful. The thing with DeJuan Mathis that I noticed, the big thing with him is when – Someone would come off the edge instead of stepping up in the pocket and kind of shifting his shoulders and kind of evading the tackle. That way he would instantly go off his back foot, which one, if you get sacked, you're going to lose yards. Two, you're on your back foot the whole time. I mean, he was trying so hard to use that mobility. Georgia hasn't had a mobile quarterback since DJ Shockley back in what, like 2002, 2003? And he's our first one since then, really. I mean, we had quarterbacks that could run, but they weren't dual threat. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if, you're, if you're an Arkansas fan too, I mean – I mean, I know you lost by 27, but, I mean, you have a decent quarterback who's a veteran college mm-hmm. quarterback, Felipe Franks. I mean, I think he got a little – I mean, Georgia, I mean, when I say a team went off in the second half, I mean, they came in the second half and – Stetson Bennett looked fired that like, I mean, like, I swear they scored 17 points in four minutes. I mean, and Felipe Franks is just trying to throw deep passes, not trying to stay mobile with those – I believe he threw, like, back-to-back picks, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean – I think Felipe Franks is going to have a decent year in Arkansas. I could see them making a bowl game if they're doing bowl mm-hmm. games this year. They are. So I could see it. I'm not – that's what I'm saying. I mean, Georgia came out with Stetson and looked good, but the first half they looked awful. I want to see a, a couple things shift with Georgia. I want to see them take Justin Schaefer out at right guard, and I want to see Trey Hill shift from center to right guard. 
We've got two five-star centers on the bench. Clay Webb comes to mind, and I cannot remember the other guy's name. I'm, I apologize for that. But Clay Webb, of course, comes to mind. So, I mean, we've got guys that were recruited to play center. Trey Hill, or Trey Hill was re- recruited as a guard. So I say move him over. That's going to tweak that offensive line. Also, we struggled to get our running game going, but also I feel like a big part of that was because our passing game wasn't doing anything. So I feel like if we can get consistent quarterback play, big thing for Georgia, JT Daniels was just cleared today, the transfer from USC, um, coming off a decent freshman season. I believe it was 18 touchdowns and 13 picks. Um, So I feel like he's going to be a boost as well. He's got a little more experience. But you saw Stetson Bennett come in. He lit it up. Um, And with our defense the way it is, we've got the best run defense in the country. And, of course, our secondary is excellent as well. we got guys like Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, um, DJ Daniel, Richard LeCount, Lewis Seen. I mean, we've got an excellent defense. So if we just have an average, a mediocre offense is all we need. And I feel like to open up that run game, because once Stetson Bennett came in and once we were able to get the passing game going, we were able to run Zeus up the middle for a few yards. We were able to get James Cook on the outside for a few yards. So I feel like if we can just get a consistent passing game, which, I mean, we don't have much time to play around with this. I mean, our next few games coming up, are not going to be easy. I mean, we got Auburn, we got Tennessee, we got Alabama, we got Kentucky, we got Florida. These are five very good teams. And if we come out, if we start against Auburn like we did against Arkansas, George is going to get their butts handed to them. It's not going to be pretty. Yeah. I mean, another game I want to go to is uh, Florida Mississippi. I mean, Kyle Trask went off mm-hmm. uh, 30 for 42, 416 yards, six touchdowns, and he had a receiver. Pits, uh, pits, the tight end, the tight end at four touchdowns, 170 yards with eight receptions. I mean, that, man. that is ridiculous. Think about Florida though. That defense gave up 600 plus yards to Ole Miss. That's mm-hmm. a concern. That for is sure. But I mean, but that offense, that offense looks very scary. The 51-35 win. Mm-hmm. That's. I want to point out Auburn too. Auburn played Kentucky. Kentucky's an underrated team. I mean, they're ranked 23, but I feel like a lot of people overlook them just because they're predominantly a basketball school. They're not necessarily the biggest football school in the world, but I feel like Kentucky's got a pretty decent team this year, and I feel like Auburn played them well. Um, Seth Williams is a monster, and I'm going to be very interested to see who Georgia puts up against him. I feel like it's likely going to be Stokes or Campbell. Campbell's a little bit longer, so I feel like he might be a better matchup, but um, Bo Nix looked very good, too. I feel like one of the better freshman quarterbacks in the nation, I say second last year in the nation to Sam Howell at North Carolina. But I feel like Bo, watching him, he took some strides for sure. He looked a lot better than he did last year. I think Auburn's going to be an interesting team in the West, too, especially with LSU kind of falling off a little bit. Like you said, they basically have a brand-new team over there. Kind of opens up the door for Auburn, I think. I think they could definitely make some noise in the West. And – We'll see how it shakes out. I mean, I don't know if they'll overtake Alabama in the West, but they're gonna they're gonna put up a fight for sure, and they've got a good chance to beat a very good Georgia team next week too. Mm-hmm. That is all I got. I mean, if you want to talk anymore, <laughs> um, I just want to really highlight the Auburn Georgia matchup coming up this weekend. It's probably the biggest matchup of the week. Uh, Georgia ranked number four, Auburn ranked number seven. Of course, it's going to be in Athens, and most likely I'm going to be there. So. Very, very excited. Looking forward to that. So they're, they're letting uh, non-students go into the game? Yeah, they're allowing 23,000 fans. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting game, and I feel like it's going to be a big narrative for both of these teams to really figure out where each team is at. Auburn had a lot of big losses on defense, especially the defensive line. Um, they don't have Derek Brown anymore. 
Um, oh gosh, what's that other defensive lineman's name that they lost? It was Derek Brown. And I, I apologize. I completely forgot the other guy's name, but uh, big cat Bryant's the big man up front right now. Um, they still got a pretty good looking secondary, um, but their run game needs to get a little bit better. Uh, they lost Booby Whitlow in the offseason to Tarvius Whitlow. Uh, he transferred out. I believe he was in trouble for something. So now their running game is uh, primarily um, primarily Sean Shivers and DJ Williams and the freshman Tank Bigsby as well. So that's going to be a big narrative against Georgia, of course, the front seven like Georgia, the best run defense in the nation against one of the wor- one of the lesser rushing teams from last week in the SEC. I think that's going to be a big narrative. I think Georgia's going to control the game up front, but it's going to be very interesting to see how that game shakes out, especially with Georgia's offensive struggles. Will JT Daniels start? Will he be – I mean, he's cleared to play. He's not 100% healthy yet. I've seen reports he's struggling to move in the pocket. Will it be him? Will it be Stetson Bennett? It'll be very interesting to see how Georgia uh, will manage their quarterback situation against Auburn next week. Now, Georgia's got, after they play all these ranked opponents, I think they have like three or four weeks where they don't play anybody. It gets a little easier, but we've got a, like I said, we've got one heck of a schedule coming up. I mean, this is five straight teams where it's dangerous. Yeah. It, I mean, Tennessee and Kentucky too. They're kind of team, you know. They're kind of diamonds in the rough. I feel like if JT Daniels isn't one hundred percent, I would hope that they wouldn't feature him all game, mm-hmm. maybe just a little bit. But if he if he's having trouble getting out of the pocket, then he's probably still in some pain. So I agree, but I, like that's why I'm so interested to see who starts. Will it be Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels? Because you want to wait with a guy in Daniels' condition right now until you absolutely need him. But with the way the offense looked last week, isn't this kind of a dire situation here? I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, Bennett did look good, so I'd, I'd say Bennett's more likely to get the start, but I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel did either. Daniels did either. All right, guys, so I'm going to do a little MMA segment here. Of course, coming off a massive weekend, UFC 253 where we saw two title fights, one champion defending his title and one new champion. Um, but first I just want to highlight the feature bout of the evening, which was a flyweight bout between Kai Carr France and Brandon Roy Vall, one fight of the night. Uh, this Brandon Roy Vall kid, this is only a second fight in the UFC. His first fight was an upset victory over Tim Elliott actually submitted him. And this fight against Kai Carr France is absolutely crazy. Uh, Roy Vall and Carr France were just rocking each other back and forth the entire time. It was such an exciting fight. Um, I think Roy Vall is definitely going to have an exciting future in the UFC. He's only two fights in, and he's likely to get a top five opponent next. So definitely going to be interesting to see where they go with him. Uh, the co-main event, of course, an interesting storyline as Dominic Reyes and Jan Blahovich fought for the vacant light heavyweight title. Um, John Jones, of course, vacated. He's likely to be moving up to heavyweight here soon. Nothing official yet. But with the title being vacant, they chose to – have Dominic Reyes and Jan Blahovich fight for it. Reyes, of course, coming off a loss to John Jones. That was John's last defense at light heavyweight. A lot of people thought Reyes won the fight. Personally, I scored at 48-47 for Jones. And then Jan Blahovich, who a lot of people were underestimating simply because of his background, but he was quietly working his way up the light heavyweight ranks. I had my eye on him for a while. Just for those of you that don't know, Blahovich actually started his UFC career two and four and was on the verge of being cut. Going into Saturday, he had won seven of his last eight, including some big wins over guys like Jacare Souza, knocked out Corey Anderson, locked out, knocked out Luke Rockhold in his light heavyweight debut. 
Um, I feel like a lot of people were overlooking him. His only loss in that eight-fight stretch was to Tiago Santos, who's currently ranked number two, and to fight Glover Teixeira, I believe, in November. Um, but Blahovich actually came in as a plus-220 underdog, which I thought was a little bit of a stretch. I know a lot of people were riding the Reyes bandwagon coming in. But, of course, Blahovich shocked a lot of people, knocked Reyes out in the second round, actually broke his nose right before that, too. I mean, Reyes' nose looked terrible. I mean, it was sideways and going in like three different directions. It didn't look good, but absolutely magnificent performance by Jan Blahovic. He's now won eight of his last nine and literally went from being two and four and on the brink of being cut to now he's the light heavyweight champion of the world. Um, couldn't happen to a nicer guy too. And I believe that his first defense will be against the winner of the Tiago Santos of Glover Teixeira fight. Of course, Jan's got a baby on the way, going to be born in December. So I know Blahovic kind of wants to take a little time to, you know, become a father, get used to having a kid and everything like that. But I would expect him to be jumping back in there around March or April of 2021. And uh, with the Santos and Teixeira fight, I do see Santos winning that, which would mean a rematch between Blahovic and Santos this time for the title. Uh, Blahovic looking to avenge that knockout loss from, I believe it was 2018 or 2019 that they fought. Um, so definitely a good night for Jan Blahovic. Congrats to him on winning the light heavyweight title. Uh, but the big headline was, of course, the main event. For the middleweight title, Israel Adesanya looking for his second defense against the human wrecking machine, Paulo Costa. Adesanya coming in 19-0 and Costa coming in at 13-0. This is only the second time in men's history that both guys were coming in undefeated for a title fight. Sixth time in UFC history happened four times in the women's divisions uh, when they were being built up and everything like that. But the only other time was when Rashad Evans and Lyoto Machida fought for the light heavyweight title. Um, and this one, a very interesting storyline coming in too. I mean, a lot of people were, I felt like overlooking Adesanya, which I still don't understand why people do. Um, it was, it was such an interesting narrative because they're both strikers, but their striking styles are so different. Adesanya is a very technical, precise kickboxer. Uh, of course he has 75 wins in kickboxing, which is absolutely outstanding. Um, and then Costa, like I said, he's like a human wrecking ball. He comes forward, throws bombs, tries to knock you out. And, Adesanya just ran through him. I mean, it wasn't even close. Adesanya opened up with the leg kicks. I thought that was an excellent strategy. And Costa's leg was red and pretty much done halfway through the first round. It was just a striking clinic by Israel Adesanya and a beautiful performance. And definitely Anderson Silva-esque in Anderson's prime. Um, I'm not saying Adesanya is on Anderson Silva's level yet. I mean, Silva held the belt for seven and a, or nearly seven years. Just absolutely incredible title run. But Adesanya definitely has the potential to do it. I mean, you look at his resume, he's got Costa, Yo, Romero, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum, Derek Brunson. He ran through Derek Brunson. Um, Adesanya's just got such an impressive resume. And he actually called out Jared Cannonier, which I thought was very interesting because Cannonier still has a fight coming up with Robert Whitaker on October 24th. So he's got to get through the former champ first. Adesanya did say, though, if Whitaker wins that fight, he will fight him again. Um but Adesanya, I feel like it's definitely safe to say he will be getting the winner of Whitaker and Cannoneer. And I definitely think that's going to be Adesanya's next defense. Um, in terms of Costa, I really don't know where you would go with him from here. A lot of people are saying Darren Till would be an interesting matchup for him. And I kind of agree. But to me, Costa looked off in that fight. Like he wasn't throwing like he normally does. He only initiated one clinch sequence. And his offense was just not there. I mean, he said something happened before the fight, but he didn't want to make excuses, which I respect. But 
Costa definitely didn't look like himself. Maybe the lights were too bright for him. Maybe Adesanya just had the perfect game plan. Maybe Costa didn't have a plan B, which is what Chael Sonnen was saying in his podcast. Um, that Costa just didn't have a plan B to shut down Adesanya striking. But um, definitely didn't look like a normal Paulo Costa performance. He just looked like a deer in headlights. He didn't really know what to do with such a sophisticated striker like Adesanya in front of him. And Israel picked him apart pretty easy and stopped him in the second round. So just real quick, I do want to preview this weekend's fights. Of course, the main event is a women's bantamweight bout and a very interesting one that I feel is really flying under the radar as the former champion Holly Holm takes on rising Mexican Irene Aldana. It's going to be a very interesting fight for both of them. Holm, of course, coming off a knockout loss to Amanda Nunes for the title last July at UFC 239. And Aldana coming off a massive win over Ketlin Vieta, who at the time was undefeated. Everybody thought she was going to be the next title challenger. And this was actually more of a warm-up fight for Vieta than it was really anything for Aldana. I mean, Vieta was undefeated, and it was expected if she could beat Aldana, she would challenge Amanda Nunes for the title. And Aldana ended up dropping her with a left hook, and ground and pound eventually stops uh, Caitlin Vieta. Of course, we saw Caitlin just fight against Jara Eubanks this weekend. But definitely going to be an interesting fight, and I'm very interested to see how this one goes. Holly's kind of been on a little bit of a slide lately. And, of course, um, Aldana coming off the win of her career. Uh, it's definitely the opportunity of a lifetime for her going up against the former champion. And I do feel like a win against Holly Holm will put Aldana in a prime position, position to challenge Amanda Nunes for the title. Um of course, Nunes has a fight coming up with Megan Anderson to defend the 145-pound title. But it'll definitely be an interesting fight. And I, I I feel like if Holm wins, I don't feel like she could challenge Nunes next. But I feel like if Aldana wins, she definitely has a case just to get some new blood in there. I mean, Nunes just defended against Holm. So it'll be very interesting to see how that fight goes. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I definitely can't wait for Saturday night. We got some big, big things coming up on Saturday. And definitely a great time to be an MMA fan. Um, of course, the next pay-per-view coming up uh, on October 24th, but we will talk about that a little bit more as we get closer to it. But that is the news around the MMA world um, this week. All right, so I think we're going to talk about the NBA Finals here for a little bit. All righty. So we got Lakers, Heats, and kind of shocked about this one. Nothing I predicted. I had Raptors, Clippers, and – Big news in NBA just happened a couple hours ago. Doc Rivers was let go. I'm kind of shocked about that one. That makes me wonder, is that team going to break down soft season? Because Doc Rivers is Hall of Fame coach, in my opinion. Um, I I could see Doc Rivers going to a team like the Rockets and Dan and Tony getting fired. I mean, I could see this offseason is going to be crazy with all this. It's going to be a shortened offseason. NBA starts back up like I believe. Even two months right after the finals, and it might be less than that. Dang, that's crazy. I think it's, I thought they were starting up in January. It's bef- it's in December. No, yeah, I think it's December. I think I'm not, it's it's but it's two, three months. Oh, it, I never realized that's dang. I mean, like, NBA that's should, close, yeah, yeah. Like, NBA should be starting like normally, like right now, like mm-hmm. in a couple weeks, I believe. So, the fact that we're just on the finals and I get COVID and all that stuff, and you I wonder if this is going to mess up the schedule for a few years or if they're no, just it, gonna... it'll just mess up one year because okay. they'll just do another shortened uh one for the NBA the next season. It'll oh. for, instead of being like what is it, 90 games, I think, somewhere around 82. 82, it'll probably be like 50, 55, yeah. somewhere around there. But it, 
I'm looking forward to this uh, this series. This is a good finals, I believe. I believe it's two totally different teams. Uh, I believe the when I think of the Lakers, I think of a very powerful down low team that likes to get likes to get the dunks, likes to get the hardcore drive ins. And when I think of Miami, I think of a deadly three point shooting team. Very good on the perimeter. Very good on the perimeter. I believe, in my opinion, Miami is one of the most can go on a ten zero run like that. Just guys like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. I mean, Duncan. I mean, you got Dragic, you got Hero, you got Jimmy Butler, you got Bam Adebayo. I mean, Iguodala. I mean, who is a former Finals MVP with Golden State. I mean, a three-time champ. You know, he he's got very good experience helping these young guys. I mean, this would not be an upset if the Heat went out and beat the Lakers. I mean, how many games has Miami's lost? Two games. This whole, this whole. Playoffs. I mean, I believe the Lakers only lost three. So, I mean, or no, Miami has lost three as well. I believe both teams have lost three three games this whole playoffs. So, I mean, this is going to be a hard, like, go-crazy series. Jimmy Butler has proven to us that he is not – he is no joke. I mean, he yeah, – I was looking at some the other day, the last four teams he's been on, he has turned their whole seasons around. This – I have this easier series going seven, and I believe this is going to be a – talked about finals for a long time this 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 series i think people were thinking the lakers are just going to run away with it i personally think the lakers probably do win this but miami has proven that they are a team to watch out for in the near few years and i would not be shocked if they pulled it out i mean they remind me of a dallas mavericks team in 2011 and they just kind of came out of nowhere but i mean it's going to be fun and I don't really got much to say about the NBA. Other, there's not much going on right now. Free agency is about to hit. So it's been fun, but I'm just looking forward to this series right here. So, I don't know if you guys have anything else to say about. I, it. I totally agree with you. I feel like this finals is going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said, the Heat kind of do remind me of the 2011 Mavericks, just because they really just came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, nobody was really picking them to win the East. No, I mean, and there's so many people that had them knocked out first round. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, they just have such a deep team and such a well-rounded team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you said, it's two completely different skill sets on both teams. I mean, the Lakers like to keep it down low. They have a great front court. But then it's like with the Heat, it's like we said, like Avery said, like you got guys like Hero and Duncan Robinson and Jimmy Butler and Dragic and Adebayo. And like you said, Iguodala's got the experience. It's just like this team is just so well-rounded. It has a little bit of everything. And, like – the the core just it meshes so well like they just they're such a cohesive team mm-hmm. and they all play so well together they're all on the same page Eric Spolstra is a very good leader for them too a very good coach I feel like and it's gonna be an awesome final I cannot wait the thing that like people are thinking they're thinking Heat Lakers are thinking it's gonna be a four zero four one for the Lakers the reason why it's not gonna be in my opinion is because the teams that go against the Lakers that have been these last three series, they, they're teams that like to go down low and get points. The Heat are taking, I kid you not, I, I could be wrong, 14 or 40. It looks like 43 is a game. And if you're hitting your threes, the Lakers have nobody to stop your threes. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not a fast – I mean, they're not a fast team. I mean, they have, they have a couple guys. I mean, they don't have three-point shooting. So if you can outshoot them from three, a three beats a two. Two threes is – Three, three twos. So, I mean, it goes in that perspective. 
mean, LeBron and AD are going to have their 20, 25, possibly 30 points, if not more. And if you can shut down those two, watch the three game, it's going to be a good series. And the way Dragic is playing, the way Jimmy Butler's been playing, Hero. Oh, Hero's been on fire. I mean, Dragic is the turn his career around these playoffs. I mean, I didn't even really know who Dragic was to these playoffs. Now I know he's a stud. Hero is Con off. was born in 2000. I mean, Damn. he's our age. Yeah. And he's just running the court. Like, it's ridiculous. But that's all I'm going to say about the NBA. I don't know if you guys got any other things you want to talk about. But other than that, I think we're good. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back with another episode, hopefully, uh, next Monday. See you guys later.